Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, one by one. We'll be spoiler-free of details from future episodes, but full spoilers for previous episodes we have discussed on the podcast. I am Jason, and I too love the sound of music. I'm Harrison, and I too love Lila. I don't know that You're anyone like else was loving her. Yeah, but it's, it's just kind of you. It's just me. Uh, she uh, does. She's very unlovable in this episode. Yeah, it's actually. It's funny I say that because I'm actually just like Lila. You can do a lot of horrible things, and I will praise you for them. But you do not come after my girl. <laughs> but we'll get there. Jason, tell us what episode we're watching. We are watching Angel season three, episode two, that vision thing. This is the one where Cordelia, unfortunately due to the interference of said Lila Morgan, <laughs> uh, is unfortunate uh, is the subject to extremely painful physical side effects to her visions, and Angel and the team has to get down to solve it and figure out what's going on. Yes. Uh, that vision thing was written by Jeffrey Bell and directed by Bill R. Norton and originally aired on October 1st, 2001. Look, that's Bill L. Norton. What did I say? R. Norton. That is an L. <laughs> Just want to make sure the I can't see without my glasses. Credit. You're wearing your glasses. <laughs> Don't give me that Velma shit. <laughs> All right, hit it. Jason. Harrison. What are you drinking? Um, I'm drinking a vodka cranberry. I'm also kind of drinking a vodka cranberry. I'm drinking a vodka cranberry flavored ginger ale. You just had to like make it gay, didn't you? <laughs> I like my drinks with a little fizz. I don't even know if that's associated with the gay people but i'm just saying you had to make it gay didn't it's you? Just extra, you make everything gay. extra you and make everything gay i've never gayed in my entire life that's untrue you gay all the time yeah <laughs> all right jason shall we have a toast um yeah sure uh fortunately we lost another big talent uh this week um uh, this since we did our last episode mm-hmm. Uh, passing of Jason David Frank. Yeah. Um, it, who, uh, for those of you who don't recognize the name, you'll recognize him as Tommy Oliver, the green <laughs> Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, the white Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, the red Zeo Ranger, the red Turbo Ranger, and the black Dino Thunder Ranger. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, like, I mean, he wasn't the original star of Power Rangers, but... He is the Power Ranger. Yeah. And, you know, we both grew up with Power Rangers. Fuck yeah. Um, and uh, I was f- very fortunate that I got to meet him uh, oh, cool. at, a, at a convention. And I also sat in for a, uh, a talk that he did. And, you know, um, some people were saying, like, uh, oh, you're, like, so straight-laced or whatever. Um, like, well, why is that? And they said, like, and he said that um, he knows that people see him and despite the fact he was doing mma at the time he said like he knows that when people see him he is they see the green ranger and he always wanted to make sure that he was like a positive image to go with that and uh yeah and i he i remember all the conventions that i kept track of he would go to almost all of them like he loved his fans he loved like when people would get him to sign like uh different like power rangers action figures or anything Mm. and then um almost every convention he went to he had the option like he would he would have the option where if you wanted to get a picture of with him in the green ranger costume or the white ranger costume he'd have that option available no he is he that is one thing i love about certain celebrities I know there are a lot of celebrities that like don't give a shit about their fans. They're just like kind of there for what they get out of it. But there are some celebrities that like love what they do and they love people who love what they do. Mm -hmm. And he was 
he loved his fans, man. And uh, he was he was an all around good guy. I always remember like uh, when he was signing like this little when he was signing an autograph for me. He's like, okay, who do I make this out to? And I was like, oh, Jason. And he's like, oh, good, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, here's to Jason David Frank. Um, unfortunately, I do believe he uh, committed suicide. That's what I've heard. So um, please, if you ever have any thoughts anywhere close to that, please find someone to talk to, find help, call the hotlines, and yeah, don't don't do that. Yeah. Cheers. Sorry to bring us down to the beginning, but. <laughs> Um, well, uh, to perk us up, um, this episode, well, I guess, depending on your mood and your opinions, and, uh, this episode will be dropping on Thanksgiving. Jason, do you have any, what, what are your Thanksgiving plans? Uh, so, we're gonna, so last year, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast last year, but, uh, last year, um, because my, uh, brother and sister-in-law, uh, go to her parent her parents house for thanksgiving they go with my niece um you know it's just me and my parents on thanksgiving and last year uh we were trying to figure out what to do and i said like oh i'm gonna try to i'll make a whole meal for us Mm -hmm. and uh it ended up being a very nice little get together and this year my dad uh decided to invite uh an aunt and uncle as well nice um so it'd be a little bit bigger and uh, i've had to adjust a couple things but still got the Still got like the that down. So, are you hosting that at your house, or are you doing it at your parents? It'll be at my house. Nice. My my dad hates hosting things, <laughs> and when the burden of Thanksgiving was lifted from him, uh, he is he, he he's very happy he, about he it. Welcomed so. it. No, yeah, <laughs> and he's like, man, Thanksgiving's like almost a no worry thing for me, and then. Uh, after that, we're going to my mom's side of the family. Uh, we just have like kind of an order of night and, mm-hmm. you know, just hang out. And then Saturday, my brother and sister-in-law are hosting a, another Thanksgiving dinner. So oh, there's that. Yeah. Lots of family get-togethers. I know, that, I know that there are a lot of negative connotations behind the origins of Thanksgiving. And uh, I don't celebrate that. But I always see Thanksgiving as like a nice time yeah. for the family to, to get together yeah I'm, I'm the same way We're, we did thanksgiving with my mom's family uh my, the, my mom's dad's family on saturday and we're going down to john's parents on wednesday, wednesday night and staying for a few days probably oh, until saturday yes it's yeah it's it's john's parents year to have thanksgiving and my parents year to have christmas and then we swap next year okay um, it's a good system it works it's a system that works and then those are really the only holidays that are like like family holidays that like they don't celebrate like Easter or anything like that and um, even and honestly my family we don't really do Easter we do um, we do Good Friday um, interesting yeah we have a big Good Friday get together for the whole family and um, so yeah it should be a good time I'm looking forward to I have to work tomorrow but after tomorrow I've got till next monday off and i nice i actually had today off and oh, nice. um i have to work tomorrow and wednesday uh but yeah so then I, after that off till monday <laughs> i had to work today and i had to i didn't have to work in my i usually work from home on mondays but we had a performance today so i had to be there for that but normally after that i just come home but as Jason knows, we had people, strangers in our house doing a walkthrough. And I was just like, yeah, I'll go to the office. I don't I don't want to be there while there are contractors walking through with our landlord. But anyway. Strangers to you, but not like... Yeah. Like they, 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 these are people that were meant to be there. Yes. It was known that they were going to be in our house. Our landlord gave us plenty of knowledge um, that we spent yesterday like cleaning everything just to make sure the house looked nice. Um it's something John and I like really realized and have like recognized recently how hard it is to keep this house clean. Just the two of us. I mean, it's big. It's hard to keep any house clean, yeah. man. And that goes for apartments too. Yeah. Oof. All right. Shall we get in? Uh, so happy Halloween or happy Thanksgiving. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. We, we actually did. We actually didn't say that. That's we, true. We got back. So yeah, happy Halloween, belated, <laughs> yeah. and happy Thanksgiving. Yes. 
Hope you're listening to this surrounded by loved ones in whatever form. <laughs> I, I don't know, maybe not, because if you're like around your family and we say some wacky stuff that probably doesn't fly well depends depends it doesn't have to be family loved ones can take on many forms and change that that is true but like i wouldn't recommend listening listening to this around like your parents or your grandparents unless your parents are cool like john's parents yeah unless (laughs) unless your parents are freaks (laughs) mom mom you gotta come listen to this he's talking about raw dog and a loofah Oh, who'd have thought that that would be the that'd be the driving force of this season oh, so far? Oh my gosh, this guy hates Jeremy Renner. <laughs> All right. Anyway, shall we? And by the way, it was raw dogging with a loofah. <laughs> it was a dry loofah. <laughs> um. Okay, we start as we do a lot of times at the Hyperion Hotel. Um, Wesley and Gunn are basically trying to figure out how they are going to be sincere to Cordelia because it has been a while since Cordelia has had a vision, which means that they haven't had a lot to do. Uh, Cordelia does walk by and, uh, and they say like, oh, hey, Cordelia, how you doing? And uh, they think like, oh, that went well. And uh, they're greeted by Fred, who is joining them in eating some Chinese food. And, uh, Do you think her grades are fair? She gives Wesley a B plus and uh, Gunn a C. I think I C minus actually. C-. I I think I agree. I, um, I'd have to listen to them again. Uh, but Cordy or Cordy Wesley goes like Cordy, and it's a little too much, but it's still casual enough. Gunn does like a very. I really was thinking about this while this happened. I like got really into my I head. I think about a it. C minus might be a little harsh for Gunn. <laughs> I mean, Gunn does come off as gruff from time That's to true. time, but uh, I think he can be sincere. I think he can. I, he's he was trying too hard. He, he says her whole name and puts weird emphasis between the syllables. He was like <laughs> Cordelia. <laughs> Calm down, buddy. Um, yeah, but. Uh, and they do try to get Fred to like um, join in, join them like in eating, uh, and they have like just some boxes of fried rice, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, poor Fred's just eating it with her hands yep, so under like, a table. Oh, you could you could try chopsticks <laughs> or a fork. She's like, oh yeah, fork, pitchfork, fork in the road. <laughs> Yeah, this girl's still working through some stuff. She's still working through some stuff, and that's but okay. She, but she takes a much more active role in this episode, yeah. um, albeit less funny than an angel that decided to finally come out. Go back into your room! <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. Oh, good. Um, you know what isn't good, though? Uh, Gavin Park uh, shows up to uh, Angel Investigations. Doing what he did pretty much in the last in his last appearance, which is near the end of season two, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh yeah, here are fifty-seven health code violations, and that your hotel's already all about, and I'm and I'm uh, filing this with the city office." And uh, Angel shows up, and he's like, "So, yeah, oh, is that a lie?" <laughs> nice. uh, do you know what is good about Gavin Park? How he dresses. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, I mean. Daniel Day Kim, well, Daniel Day Kim is a very good-looking man, Mm -hmm. and he has a very good-looking outfit. Daniel Day Kim, like, you know, definitely helped me through a lot of things as a teenager. Uh, Most of the cast of Lost did. Yeah. There's a lot of very hot, sweaty guys. And here's the thing. I think that so many people were focused on Josh Holloway and Matthew Fox. He was one of them, too. Um, Not Matthew Fox so much for me. Well, like, you know, they were the two hunks of the yeah. show. And I, I don't know if Daniel Day Kim got the got the shipping that he should have. I don't know. I think I think every man on that show was... I, well, I mean, I you know, I wasn't necessarily looking at the men in that way. Uh, top three lost hunks. I mean, I think it's fair to say. What about, uh, I was going to say, who's it? Saeed? Saeed, Desmond, and Jin. Are my top three lost tongues, and I put Sawyer next. Um, but like, damn, damn, Jack, like, well at the bottom. Let's see, uh, Ben, he, um, I, I can't remember if he outright said that he had a crush on Matthew Fox, 
But I know that he really liked Matthew Fox. Yeah, I don't. He just did like no disrespect. He is objectively good looking. Just didn't do it for me personally. I love the character of Gavin in this episode because, you know, when you put Lindsay and Lila side by side, Lila was always the most opportunistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lindsay was kind of like on his whole, uh, oh man, like Wolfram and Hart kind of sucks, but do they really? But do, but do they? Yeah. Um, he had that whole like moral quandary thing going on. And uh, Lila was the one who was worried about like getting ahead. Now you've got Gavin, who is moving from from uh, realty realty to um, special projects, and he very much has that kind of cutthroat, ready to move ahead mm-hmm. attitude that Lila had when she, before she became vice president. Yeah, yeah. Lindsay and Lila were great foils for one another, and I loved their dynamic. But um, yeah, like Gavin is. He's a very different sort of enemy for Lila to mm-hmm. have, um, and and it's and it's it's important that Lila has someone to play off of in Wolfram in Har- Wolfram and Hart, um, because otherwise we would only get to see her from the perspective of our main characters. Yeah, um, so getting to actually spend time with her on her own in her own world, living her life that is adjacent to, but not directly connected to our main characters is, is good. Yeah. If you only see your villain through the hero's perspective, then they might as well just be twiddling their mustache. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Cordelia, after Gavin leaves, he does promise to like, I'll be back. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Cordelia does get a vision. And, uh, unfortunately this is a very bad vision. Um, she notices that there's a coin at an herb shop in Chinatown, and uh, there is a creature with big old claws, and uh, and so they say like, and she says she tells the group it's like it's very important that you guys get this coin um, that I saw in the vision. Uh, so they start to leave, um, and. But Wes does, like, knock on the door while Cordelia goes into the uh, bathroom. And uh, he's like, oh, did it have four claws or five? And she said, five. Are you sure? She lifts up her shirt and has five claw marks across her um, abdomen. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, pretty sure. Uh, Another shout out to the awesome prosthetics and practical effects in this episode. Um... Unfortunately, a lot of it's on Cordelia. Yeah. <laughs> but it looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. I yeah, the I think of the yeah, they just all look really good. But between the boils, the burns and the cuts, like uh it looks painful. Yeah. Like I I really feel for her. Mhm. And uh so uh Gavin does talk to Lila at Wolfram and Hart and um and basically, like, she feels a little threatened by Gavin because he's pretty much like, oh, yeah, I'm in special, I'm in special projects now. And I've got, like, a, I've got a great thing. Uh, I've launched out in Angel Investigations. you want in on it? And she's like, no, nah, I think I've got my own thing going. And uh, um, somebody sticks their head out of, uh, out of Lila's office. And, you know, it's funny because... Even though we don't really get a good look at him until later, I initially thought that it was Cal Penn, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to assume that a guy in a fez um, of a of Middle Eastern ethnicity was Cal Penn. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this is also Cal Penn's uh, second Buffyverse uh, appearance. He yeah, because he was in Beer Bad. He was in Beer Bad. He was one of the douchey beer bros. Mm-hmm. Uh, he shows up in a lot of strange places. Yeah. Because uh, I feel like, you know, most people know him from Harold and Kumar. Um, wasn't he also in um, Gilmore Girls? I feel, like he he? Had, I feel like he had an appearance in Gilmore Girls. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked because he's, you know, an actor who was getting started around this time. Yeah. Like, um, I know he was on... Um, he was on How I Met Your he Mother. He was on How I Met Your Mother. He's also... 
uh, just this last season, he was on um, American Horror Story, which that was definitely one of those. I was like, oh, really? You're on the show? Like, good for you. But, like, I, not exactly the... Um, also, he served in Obama's White House. Yeah. Uh, and he was on House for a long time. Yeah, he was a big uh, big character on House. I do remember um, that. I actually think he left House to, yes. to be in Obama's administration. He did. he did. You're absolutely right. Which, I mean, yeah, I'd probably do that, too. Um, no Gilmore Girls. Okay. But, um, I mean, 24, The Big Bang Theory. Yes, 24 season. No, I'm sorry, not The Big Bang Theory. The Big Brain Theory. Never mind. 24 season 4, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but he was on the Big Bang Theory, so I take back my. Yes, he was in. Um, yes, Just he was in episodes, season but... ten, and I believe he was partners with a scientist played by Sean Astin. Oh, cool! Like they are able to find the herb shop. Of course, it is the fifth out of five, uh, which Gun complains about. Also, only five herb shops in Chinatown. That feels low. Well, well, okay, so I think you're. I think you might be like overestimating how big a Chinatown, how big Chinatown can be. True. Because um, you know, I feel like most Chinatowns in even big cities like L.A. and Chicago are only like maybe a couple city blocks, if that. Fair enough. The only um, Chinatown I've ever been to is in New York, which was. I think rather large. I also am very bad with spatial distances and <laughs> understanding of how large spaces are. So <laughs> maybe I'm just very stupid. <laughs> uh, for other reasons, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they get to the herbal shop and uh, they are at first there. They, there's just an old couple there, uh, you know, going about their business. And, uh, you know, at first they're like, ah, oh, your kind's not allowed here. And Gunn immediately seems like, can't a brother buy some herbs? <laughs> uh, but of course they're referring to Angel. They're like, we're looking for a coin. And then they just immediately go into, like, oh, we've got our claws out because they're the claw monsters. And they are doing some flips and yelling and <laughs> beating the crap out of our guys. Um, I hated this fight scene. It was so bad. I, I know I just talked about Power Rangers in our toast. It felt like a really bad Power Rangers fight oh scene. There was a moment where I did kind of love it, but like it wasn't good. Where the old lady demon does like a full like kick split, and yeah. like uh, it kicks Gun and Wesley both in the face. Yeah. I was just like. Yeah, it was some bad wire foo. And and I get and I get it, guys. This is Jason's second week in a row <laughs> complaining about about um, an American beating some Asian people at martial arts. At least our heroes weren't using martial arts. They were using the fighting skills yeah. that they are good at. Mm-hmm. But yeah, ooh, it was yeah, it was rough. Not great. And uh, they do get the coin. Um, however, Cordelia ends up having a second vision, and, uh, she sees that there is a demon that is covered in boils, and unfortunately this leads to her being covered in boils, Mm -hmm. and, uh, this happens after Fred has taken her, has taken her home, which uh, I'm assuming she walked her there, because I doubt Fred would have gotten in a car. Yeah. um, And driven. No, she, she... She would have. I, I think she would have because we they drove her to the hotel at the end of season two. Well, yeah, but I, I'm not saying that she wouldn't get into a car. I'm saying she wouldn't have driven a car. Oh, oh, yes. Yeah, that. So I, I can only assume that they walked there. Yeah, I guess it, we don't really know how far. Does Cordy even have a car? Do I you know? mean, in L.A., you don't really need one. I thought it was the opposite. Um, I thought L.A. was like. Well, I mean, you know, they, they have, I'm sure they have, like, public transportation and stuff, probably mm-hmm. a lot better than here. Um, you know, you don't really need a car in New York City, uh, but I guess it depends on where you're going in L.A. Yeah, and I guess I just, yeah, I guess the question is, how far does Cordy live from the Hyperion? Mm-hmm. Um, it's never been made very clear. But, yeah, and, uh, and Fred's there, and she's able to give, um... The guys, the report that, hey, this is really not good for Cordelia. And they're trying to figure out 
why on earth uh, the powers that be are trying to uh, are doing this to mm-hmm. her. Um, and so Wes has an idea. He wants uh, Gunn and Fred to go back to the Hyperion, pick up some uh, literature that he can study. <laughs> and uh, he wants Angel to go and get the key that um, she sees that demon having in her vision. Mm-hmm. Angel at first refuses to go because he wants to stay with Cordelia. Aww. Mm-hmm. And, um, but Wes does say, look, if the powers that be are doing this, and it's hurting Cordelia this way, then it must be a very important task to be done. Yeah. So you have to do that. And uh, uh, let's make sure that we give Fred credit for sparking the idea in Wesley. She's the one who comes up with the, uh, who recognizes that everything is energy. And mm-hmm. if she's getting the visions, they have to be coming from somewhere. So they so, so if they can find somebody mm-hmm. who also has a connection to the powers that be... They can maybe try to figure out what's going yeah. on with it. I love. I just really love the way that Fred's very particular skill set, which is science, mm-hmm. um, gets to be utilized here because um, science and magic have not always mixed well, both in story and out. I'm thinking of season four of Buffy. Um, so it is really, I really, really like seeing a character like Fred, who is scientifically minded, um, using those, those skills and that knowledge um, in a way that's like, that is actually helpful and not like, well, it's magic is to science we don't understand. Like, she gets it's magic, but she, you know, she's coming at it from what she knows. I love Fred so much. <laughs> I actually kind of like the idea of, um, of magic operating in a logical system Mm -hmm. like if obviously it is able to do things that defy laws of physics but if it had its own laws and there's never like that's never set up in in the buffy verse i mean there are some rules to magic but yeah they're more often like plot conveniences Mm -hmm. than anything else uh, but I always find that a, a good fantasy series has a good magic system. Yeah. Uh, typically what's known as like a hard magic system in which all the details of the magic system are very, are very like f- finely tuned and um, it's a, it's a well-oiled system. Brandon Sanderson, who does the, uh, the Stormlight Archive and the Mistborn books, he is well known for his hard magic systems. Yeah. And you know... I'm reading. I'm currently reading, uh, doing a reread of the Lord of the Rings for the first time in years. That is a soft as hell magic <laughs> system because it, they don't really go into like what's going on with all like with the ring and with Gandalf and it's and you know that's okay. It doesn't need that. Yeah. But um, it is a big distinction between like a lot more modern fantasy tends towards the hard magic system because, uh, you know, you build these big fantasy worlds and uh, it people like it. Yeah. I, I'm very much a fan of, you know, mag- magic needs to have rules. You know, they can be whatever you want them to be. Mm-hmm. They just need to be set up. And if you... It is okay to break your magic rules if... That's the point of the story. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if if this type of magic is impossible and you're in the world of your story and then someone does it, that needs to be a big deal in the story. That's kind of my kind of like philosophy. Movie, kind of like the movie Dogma. Yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, um, God can't be wrong. And if he's ever proven wrong, that would undo all of existence. <laughs> Once Wesley tells Angel to go and get that key, um, we see Angel like, you know, get a sword, get in the car, drive, kick down the door of the key shop. He's like, give me the key. And this guy's like, um, which one? <laughs> and it's, it's a key shop. It's a regular so old key shop. Um, fortunately, Cordy had uh, drawn what the key looked like. And I mean, we don't see what it takes Angel to get that key. But it seems to be a lot less stressful than <laughs> than the random like cl- uh, claw demons yeah. at at the uh, herbal shop. 
Um, Gun and Fred get to the Hyperion. Uh, and Gun. <laughs> he shoots a shot, man. Um, so Fred says that, like, oh, I'm sorry. I hope you don't feel bad for having to go for having to stay with me instead of going and help Angel kill those things. And and uh, Gun was like, yeah, sure. I mean, why? Uh, why would I want to walk with a pretty girl down the street instead of like you know go fight some demons that I can smash a kill and. And Fred's like, oh, I'm really sorry. I can't apologize enough. Oh. <laughs> so, so oblivious. Yeah, she, poor girl. She's so smart, yeah. but she doesn't get it. And I, I will say, I, there is a moment um, early in the episode when she's still under that table that, uh, and they're talking, the gun has definitely got some soft eyes going on for Fred. I'm... How can you not? It's all right. I mean, yeah, you can't you can't fall in love with a girl fast enough. She's got that cute accent. She loves tacos. She loves locking herself in her room for days on end, writing crazy gibberish on her walls. I mean, that's my whole list the right package. there. <laughs> AKA my type. Um, when they get there, they see that there are exterminators that are starting to fumigate the hotel. In the middle of the night, <laughs> and guns like bullshit. Get out! <laughs> yes, I loved that. Um, so, however, we do get the reveal that um, Cal Penn, who is credited as uh, Man in Fez, yeah, great. his character never gets a name, <laughs> so we're just gonna call him Cal Penn from now on. Yes, um, he is a psychic, and Lila has hired him to send visions to Cordy, which he does after he removes his fez to reveal that his brain is, like, very visible. Very exposed. Um, When uh, Angel gets back to the apartment, um, along with Gunn and Fred, uh, and he has the key, like I said, didn't really take too much, as far as we know. Um, Lauren is there, because it was Fred's idea to um to like get somebody who can talk to the powers that be and lauren does have that ability um as we said he's kind of our stand-in for the oracles now yeah and um in more ways than one r.i.p bitchy gay oracle but lauren's better than you (laughs) oh oh i was just thinking about if they started dating I like how, um, you know, Lauren being uh, pansexual kind of like covers it all for all the, yeah. <laughs> kind of covers everything for those oracles. I just like that if the oracle, the bitchy gay one, and Lauren started dating, like the bitchy gay one would just be like, try that shit and Lauren would be like, mm-mm, go make me a sea breeze. <laughs> and you know, it, it wouldn't seem like that relationship would work, but I've seen relationships like that that work. I think it would work. I think they would be very happy together if... The bitchy gay oracle had not been horribly, horribly slaughtered. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when you're in the Buffy verse, it happens. It happens. Um, also, Wesley, stop calling him Wesley, my friend. Stop calling him the host. He has a name. You know his name. You've met his family. His name is Lauren. Call him that. Did he actually meet Wes? Did he actually meet the family, or is that just Angel? I don't remember, but my point stands. Because like when he called he... him the host, I was like, Ooh, "Wesley, <laughs> hey, just because you messed up in the game doesn't mean that <laughs> Wesley's still, Wesley's still playing. Wait, Wesley's still playing, even though the game ended months ago. <laughs> oh, you, but you're right. I, actually, I can't remember if if Wesley met met them or not. He but met, they all met. Uh, Glicknar or whatever his cousin's name was, Lumbar. Landau. Landau. Landoc, I think. Yes, Landoc. Glipnar. Bleep bloop. Gooba, gooba, gooba. But yeah, I mean, he has heard. Like, I'm. Sh- I'm pretty sure he was there in the in the library when Landoc calls him like Krevlorn Swath yeah. and. He says, like, Lorne, but I don't like, you know, spreading that around too much. And then that's when Angel makes the Lorne Green comment that nobody gets. <laughs> um, Lorne uh, is trying to um, 
Lorne is trying to like you know connect with Cordy when Cordy has this vision. Uh, Lorne is thrown across the room, and uh, Cordelia sees a uh, a man in fire, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately this burns her arm, like the one that isn't covered in boils. So, girl's going through the plagues, yeah. man. Can we just? This feels like as good a place as any. Talk about charisma's performance in this episode because. Yeah. Maybe series best work so far. Like, I... So, the only reason I wouldn't say that is because I feel like there's a a lot more active scenes that she's had, um, whereas this is a lot more reactionary. It is. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm not trying to downplay it at all. It's very good. But um, it is like, uh, I, I kind of like, you know, the active roles are going to stand out to me more. Which is fair. I just, I just, I just can't help but notice like the way she plays with her voice, um, how hoarse she is mm-hmm. in the, the middle sections of the episode. And um, we haven't quite gotten there yet, but where she, the scene where she tells Angel that she doesn't want the visions anymore, that she tried to be brave and she just isn't brave enough and i was just like oh uh it was good stuff it was yeah um well i mean we're kind of like at that point right now um because uh so uh fred earlier made the comparison that uh (laughs) called her lassie yeah that, that cordelia's like uh angel's lassie in that uh she has the visions that tell angel that timmy's trapped in the way in the well and, uh, or that the, the gangsters are in the barn. Uh, you know, I've never actually read nor seen Lassie. Is Lassie a book? I feel like Lassie has to be a book. Uh, <coughs> I know it was a television series. Okay. Um, I think it appeared, I think it was other mediums too. I just, I just happened to know this because John and I were the other night at dinner looking at a list of, like, the longest running television shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lassie was on there. It ran like something like twelve seasons, and I was like, I don't know much about Lassie, but I mean, that's shows old back in the day. Shows used to run forever. I mean, Gunsmoke. I was about to say Gunsmoke. Yeah, was Gunsmoke like, was on the air for twenty years. Um, uh, Bonanza, starring yeah. Lauren Green, that was on the air for at least fifteen years. Yeah. Dynasty. Dynasty. Um, yeah, and you think of like how all those <laughs> think of how today it's like it's lucky if shows get like past three seasons, right? Uh, unless you're like a Grey's Anatomy or oh yeah, or like The Simpsons. Yeah, the television landscape has very much shifted. Oh yeah, oh um, yeah, and you know sometimes we're better, sometimes we're not so better. Yeah. Uh, and we get to but yeah, and so. Um, when, and when, uh, Angel's talking to Cordelia, uh, Angel says, like, no, no, like, you're, like, the visions are, uh, like, the visions are just, um, you know, they're like, I can't remember the exact parts of his car that he says. I have no idea what he uh, said. Like, something involving the ignition or something like that, and she's like, are, are you comparing me to your car? It's like, well, it's a really good car. <laughs> it's like, it's, be- I guess it's better than a dog. Um, but yeah, basically, she, um. She does say, like, if I don't have the visions, then I can't help you guys. I'm not, like, I'm not good anymore. Like, I'm, I'm no use to anybody anymore. And that's when Angel says, like, the visions aren't why I need you. Yeah. He says, after that, he says, you are important. Mm-hmm. I was just like, yes. she is. She's the heart of the group. She's I, it's this group's soul. And I love that, like, I, I love the emphasis that's been put on uh, the Angel Cordy relationship mm-hmm. it, so far in these first two episodes, yeah. um, especially because, like you know, after everything that happened in last season, yeah, oh yeah, it, it means so much more. We we saw this relationship get nearly destroyed, and just it's come back stronger than ever. So Lauren reveals that the. Uh, that the um, visions are local and that somebody has 
Jack the Line. Um, and uh, so they're like, well, let's see. Who would have the resources to do that? Um, Angel pops up in Lila's office uh, while she's trying to play virtual golf. virtual golf. Very poorly. Um, she hits her ball right into a sand trap. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and he says that, uh, and she's like, how did you do that? How did you get in here? It's like, oh, well, Gavin let me in. So Gavin may have plans to take down Angel Investigations, but he's also like, fuck you, Lila. <laughs> um, and uh, that's when Lila says, in a very seductive way, too, like she runs her finger across Angel's chest. And she's Worked. like, yeah, so um, you need to use this coin and key to go to a demon dimension and free a man that has been wrongfully imprisoned. And, uh, you know, at first, Angel really wants to just kill her. I don't blame him. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she's like, yeah, but there's nothing to... Like, if I'm dead, then you won't be able to save your your little girlfriend. I really want to highlight the way Stephanie Romanoff plays Lila. I mean, I think we've talked about how she's consistently great in the role. But she is so interesting because she is... She's 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 definitely doing this femme fatale act, right? But when Angel threatens her, like she it, she drops that act immediately and she is scared for her mm-hmm. fucking life. And then when she feels like okay, the moment's passed, she puts that mask back up. And I just love that nuance to her character that like um Oh, it, it, it's almost like she's a little kid playing dress up. Like, like I do believe she is this badass lawyer bitch. But I also believe she's got maybe some imposter syndrome going on. And she's like, she's not just trying to convince the world that she's this bad bitch. She's also still trying to convince herself um, and I really like that as a... It's interesting that you say that because I was kind of point out that like ever since Lindsay left, even though we haven't seen too much of Wolfram and Hart really since mm-hmm. Lindsay left, um, I felt like uh, Lila has kind of really tried to embrace being like, oh, now I'm the only vice president of special projects. Oh, absolutely. So now, like, everybody needs to get the fuck out of my yeah. way. I think, oh, I absolutely, I, I agree. You can I, have think both. She's em- <laughs> I think she's embracing it. But it's a, it's a journey for her. It's mm-hmm. not like, a, oh, Lindsay's gone and now I, I am that bitch. It's just like she's... I am 100% <laughs> that bitch. <laughs> um, it's just... It just, for me, just makes for more nuanced characterization. Like, yes, if he had grabbed her neck and she hadn't have even flinched, I would have been like, ooh, she's bad. <laughs> but the fact that she does flinch and she is scared just makes her more interesting, makes her more human, which is... She's I mean, not ready to go toe-to-toe with Angel the way that uh, Lindsay was. Right? <laughs> Fucking Lindsay. A little dipshit. <laughs> a little Texas twerk. I mean, he's still better than Lee. <laughs> Fucking Lee! <laughs> Fucking Lee Mercer is a rat-faced little... <laughs> Apologies <laughs> to the actor that played Lee Mercer. Fucking Trevor <laughs> All these dumbass men on this show. <sighs> um, so Angel does agree... To get this uh, person out. Um, Wesley's able to do the research. Figures out how to use the coin and key together. And uh, however he does mention that both the coin and the key are objects of good. Mm-hmm. And that the guardians of them were probably linked to the powers that be. And he was like, oh, god damn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that, uh, you know, if Angel goes to do this. Um, then, you know, it's more than likely that the prisoner is supposed to be there. That's what the powers that be deem. And he's just like, I don't care. I'm going anyway. I got to save Cordelia. And Wesley has the same thing, too, where he goes like, you have to know that this is against your mission. You have to know this is not the the right thing to do. You have to know all this. And he's like, yeah. And Wesley's like, great. I'm coming with you. Mm -hmm. And I love that moment of solidarity between the two of like, there's no question about what they're going to do there. There's no moral agonizing about are we going to do this to save Cordelia. It's not even up in the air. I'm going to uh, 
be as spoiler free as I can, <laughs> but there is a moment in a season five episode of Angel called A Hole in the World. And uh, there is a um, there's a scene where uh, a member of the team is at risk and in danger and Angel just looks at the group and he says, I know I don't have to... Spoiler alert, Angel's in season five. <laughs> um, and he's like, I know I don't have... To... I only have two words to say to all of you all to know how important this is and says that character's name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a chills moment. It, it is. Like, well, you're describing that, it and I'm like... My... That whole episode oh. is just a trip and we will get there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and... Um, Angel, like, Wes does want to come along, but Angel says, no, I need to stay here in case anything goes wrong. He does, he loads up, like, a mace and and a sword and a knife, and then he steps through the portal. All that stuff disappears. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He goes in, he finds this, um, he goes into this dimension, and uh, when he goes down there, he sees that there is a um, person caught in a cage of fire and being constantly burned, which... Is mostly a good visual. Yeah. Uh, the only time it doesn't look great is when uh, Angel's having the fight in front of it with Skip. Mm-hmm. By the way, we get to meet Skip. Skip. It was it was so funny because um, I it's been a while since I've seen any of this part of Angel. Uh, I haven't seen it since my first watch through. Uh, but I remember seeing that demon. I'm like, okay, I know him. He has a short <laughs> name. And I was like, Harrison, what's his name? And you were like, ah, oh, I can't remember. And I said, is it Kip? And you're like, Skip. And then right after that, I was like, hey, I'm Skip. Yep. What is so awesome about Skip? First of everything. all. Everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah. But first of all, his, like. His design, design is fantastic. One of the, one of, I'm, I'm not going to say the best demon design because I don't have a Rolodex of all of them in my brain right now. But like. Top ten, at least. Yeah. He is so cool. Mm-hmm. But then you juxtapose this, like, really intimidating, cool design. He's all black. He's tall. He's bulky. He's got spikes. And they're not symmetrical. They're going all different ways. He's got the ring through his chin. Yes. And then he's just, like, this laid-back dude. Yes. <laughs> that is that is such an angel thing. Oh, Like, it. I can't even say that that's a Buffy thing. That's more of an angel thing. Yeah. Because, you know... Like, it's not necessarily evil, but you were talking about how Wolfram and Hart's all about the banality of evil. Mm. You could say that Angel's about banality of the supernatural at yeah. times, and it's fantastic. Oh, I um, love him. Uh, the actor playing him is, uh, oh gosh, I had his name in my brain and now it's gone. But he's um, uh, David Denman. So most people, he's been in a lot of shit. But most people would recognize him under those prosthetics as um, Roy from The Office, um, okay. who was Pam's uh, fiance in the early seasons. Yeah. He also plays um, in Big Fish. He plays the uh, bully. Uh, yeah, who dies on the toilet. Yeah, uh, <laughs> who's I think was like dating Jessica Lange's character in the Sandra flashback. Templeton, yeah. yeah. Um, um, but he also just has a ton of credits. I love name. that movie too. That He's... is my, that is my favorite Tim Burton movie. Oh, so good. Um, followed by Ed Wood. Oh yeah, Ed Wood was really good. I actually mm-hmm. only saw, recently saw that movie. Um. Have you seen Plan 9 from Outer Space? No, I've not. Oh my gosh, no. Perfect double feature. I may have to do that for a movie club. That could be fun. Perfect double feature is Plan 9 from Outer Space and then Ed Wood. Because Ed Wood, you see like how he comes into contact with all the different elements that will eventually become Plan 9 from Outer Space. So if you, like, know what you're looking for after having seen Plan 9, it really enriches the viewing experience of Ed Wood. Um, Yeah, I I do that because I'm pretty sure, like, almost nobody in that movie club besides me has seen both. I say, I've only seen Ed Wood. And it was a great movie. It is. I absolutely can see how that would be. It is a movie... That is a dramatization of the history of schlocky movies in the style of a schlocky movie, yeah. and I love it. It's good. Um, I, I don't say this much about Tim Burton, but that was a genius yeah. movie. Um, 
Angel and Skip, uh, Skip notices, Skip can feel that Angel, well, actually can smell it, that yeah. Angel is a, uh, is an agent for the powers that be. He's like, you know, we're on the same side, right? He's like, yeah. There's a girl. Yeah, there's a girl and everything. <laughs> so they're like, all right. And so they decide to fight and, uh, Angel does end up beating, uh, Skip. However, he punches Skip towards the cell and the person in the cell, like, grabs Skip and very much could have easily just you know, let him die. But Angel pulls Skip away, asks him if he's all right. He's like, yeah, I'm good. Then punches him in the face. Yeah. Like, sorry about that. So, uh, yeah, I uh, I look forward to more appearances from Skip. Yes. It is, uh, we, he mentions that it's his will that keeps this guy imprisoned, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once he's unconscious, like, that little fire prison goes away and then a little ashy naked boy, not boy, man. Um, <laughs> Don't make this weird. Appears. <laughs> Um, and so he takes this person to Los Angeles. Um, there's a meeting, a uh, nice little exchange meeting. Um, and uh, I like how I like how Angel, Wes, and Gunn are so dialed into this. Mm-hmm. Like Angel looks at the guy that Angel got from the prison, or Gunn looks at the guy that Angel got from the prison and says, like, what, you know, one wrong move and cap. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, we love him. Uh, Wes has a cell phone ready. Um, Angel uh, goes up to Lila. There are two uh, limos there. And uh, so they the prisoner does get handed over. Lila um, does like... She has Calpin in the uh, limo. And she says like, uh, okay, do it. And uh, makes the... Very wrong move of rolling down the window. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess technically he did, but um, but yeah. And so he makes it so that he makes it so that uh, the um, all the bad stuff disappears from Cordy, and you know she's healed. Yeah, and she's sleeping. Uh, and Lila's just like, oh well, this all worked out well. Sorry, it's just business. And uh, she's walking away. Angel picks up a rebar pipe and throws it and impales Calpin through his brain. Yeah. Um, Sexy. Yeah, no, that was awesome. And uh, then Angel walks up to Lila and uh, keep in mind, he has called her like an evil bitch already. Yeah. But he does say, um, yeah, if you want to come at me, that's fine. But if you ever come at me through Cordelia, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. I, yes. My my man means it. Oh yeah, no. And we see he, we see once again her composure falter. Mm-hmm. Um, it falters briefly when the when Cal Penn is killed, but she she keeps that stony face. But but when he says that, and she like you know looks into his eyes and sees that it is not a fucking bluff. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, Angel gets back to Cordelia, and Cordelia. You know, she's like, hey, what she did for me is incredibly selfless and everything. But, which, you know, maybe not as selfless as she thinks. <laughs> uh, but she is, uh, she does say that she's worried, like, oh, who did we just free? But Angel says, like, you know, you and your visions, they're more important than that. So we'll deal with it when the time comes. And that's a wrap for our adventures in Los Angeles. But let's go to Honduras for yeah. a second. Just and, pop on down. Yes, in the Yoro Mountains, uh, Darla finds a shaman, and uh, she basically has said that she cannot kill whatever she is pregnant with. She's tried everything, and uh, and uh, the shaman says, "Like, and the father is he a vampire? Yeah, though not, not a very, a very good, good one." one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um. With the hell, like, uh, the shaman draws some of her blood, says, the, like, oh, this has never failed me before. He makes, like, a paste with some herbs, and uh, he tries to do something, like, with the baby, but it won't work. Throws him to the, throws him aside, and he's like, I can't help you, and she's like, well, guess it's time to go see daddy. End episode. Drama. So it's funny, when I was uh, editing last week's episode, and we got to the pregnancy reveal, I was editing that part, and I remembered visibly, uh, viscerally, like, uh, back in season two, when we were 
covering the episode where they sleep together, while we were recording, I, I came this close to making a comment of like, well, good thing vampires can't get pregnant. And then I was like, oh shit, actually, I better keep that to myself. Um, you uh, looked real stupid. I, <laughs> um, uh, I, I would have. I eventually I would have played it off. I was like, oh, I was making a joke for you know. If you know, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I was like, I was. The thought was about to come out of my mouth when I was just like, oh, you know, actually keep that there because um, don't want to tip our hand too much. Um, but yeah, that vision thing. Mm-hmm. This was a strong episode. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was honestly a little surprised how strong this episode was. I actually think it may have been stronger than the season premiere. I think it was. Um, yeah, like great. Uh, it wanted it. I love the incorporation of Fred into the gang. Um, I love that. Uh, I love episodes that not only focus on Cordelia but also the importance of Cordelia. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, like Wes and Gunn don't get a lot of, uh, a lot of time in it, but Wes's, um, care for Cordelia and Gunn's, uh, little attraction to, uh, Fred. Cute. Yep. They, they all come into play. Um, we have the return of Wolfram and Hart and, uh, yeah, great moments with Angel. Um, yeah, it's just an all around like showcase nearly everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, fairly well. Oh yeah, and, you know appearance from Lauren too. Yeah, um, who where he <laughs> tries to make <laughs> tries to make Cordelia just imagine that she's in the Sound of Music. Yeah. Um, so that uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm gonna go ahead and give it a four four uh, four forks. Nice. With gun. <laughs> Wait, we didn't Out of even five. We didn't talk we didn't even mention Fred Forking Gun. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Um yeah, no, you're right. Like a really good story, just like just plot wise, it was strong. Um, with a really solid emotional core of Cordelia, um, and specifically her relationship to the angel and her importance to the team as a whole. And yeah, good showcase, um, even for the characters who had less to do, they still had great moments. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just repeating all the things you just said. But um... I, one thing I really enjoyed about this was that, you know, the first season may have uh, kind of like dealt with aftermath of end of season. The first episode may have dealt with aftermath of end of season two of Angel mm-hmm. and end of Buffy season five. Uh, and kind of like maybe showed us what the status quo was but this episode just really was like hey you know we built up a really good world yeah on this show and this is the kind of stories we can tell in it yeah absolutely if i had like a complaint it's a and it's i don't even know if it's a real complaint it's kind of nitpicky it's that after introducing the idea that her visions are getting worse and worse last week um, doing an episode about her visions getting worse, but then revealing that it's actually not the visions themselves, it's, like, this other thing, doesn't feel, like, the best timing-wise. Um, but even that's just, like, I feel like I'm nitpicking there. Like, I mean, well, the, the last week wasn't the first time that she mentioned the visions getting bad. It's not, no, not the first time, but it really highlights that, like, mm-hmm. it, like in a way that's, like, not... To, that indicates that it's going to be you think, a thing. You think, you think they could have played it out for a couple more episodes? Maybe. But even then, I'm like, it doesn't ruin the episode for me. Yeah. Um, There's plenty of stuff to do in this yeah. season. Basically, yeah, they kind of are fainting towards that this is just a natural progression when, of course, it's, I guess, it's a twist that it's not. But it doesn't really even feel like a twist to me that it's, it's not. It's more just like, oh, hey, here's what's going on. Yeah. So, but it's, like, like I said, still a really good episode. I'm going to give it four exposed cow pen brains uh, out of five. All right. Uh, shall I take us out? Please. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week. We're leaving L.A. for a minute and heading back to Sunnydale. There it's we go. It's Buffy Season 6, Episode 1 bargaining 
part one. Ooh. Um, now, I don't know how this is on streaming. So if you're watching on streaming, this may or may not affect you. But on the DVD, Bargaining Part 1 and Part 2 are one episode. We're not doing that. We're, this, we tried that when we did the first episode. We tried doing both parts of the pilot as like one episode, and it was not our most successful. Let me um, check thank on you. the Hulu. Um, but if you're watching on DVD um, or and uh, streaming, if it's not broken up, let me just say it's very, very obvious where part one ends and part two starts. So, so. I don't know where else uh, Buffy is streaming, but on Hulu, uh, they are two separate episodes. Okay, great. So if you're watching on Hulu, it's not going to be an issue. Um, if you're watching somewhere else that doesn't break it, or if you're watching on DVD, which doesn't break it, like I said, it'll be around like the 40 minute mark and it'll be really obvious what happens. If you, if you do, and if you do watch it, well, congratulations, you're ahead of us. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm very personally very excited. I think Bargaining Parts 1 and 2 is one of the strongest premieres of mm-hmm. Buffy. Just really stellar, knock it out of the park way to start the season. Also like a... Apart from, like, uh, Go Fish, one of the earlier episodes of Buffy that I saw. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Uh, so, like, I, I mentioned that Go Fish was, like, uh, I saw that because it was, like, an episode that my dad was watching when yeah. it aired. Um, bargaining was, like, uh, when I was watching, like, after, after uh, when I was in eighth grade, I went to the, I went to, I went to a Catholic school, St. Helen. And uh, my mom was the uh, financial director of the church. And so after I got done with school, she didn't got at around three, she didn't get off work until five. So I would just go over to the rectory and just watch TV. She probably should have worked on homework, but I watched TV <laughs> for a couple hours because like uh, we didn't have cable at the time. So this is like one of my only chances to watch cable TV from three to five p.m. So <laughs> this is loaded with a whole bunch of stuff. But um I do remember specifically there was like a time when I noticed that Buffy was on and it was one of those shows that I was like, eh, I remember like people talking about this big pop culture phenomenon, whatever. And so I ended up uh, watching it and like the first episode that I watched, I think they did like two in a row and it was bargaining parts one and part two. And I'm like, okay, so Buffy's dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, then. <laughs> Interesting place to start. <laughs> she has a sister. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, um, until next week, I'm Jason. You can find me on Instagram at yamaj357. And I'm Harrison. You can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's C O F F M A N. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy. Or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And uh, Harrison, would you like to talk about what our uh, worthy charity shall be? Yeah, so going a little different this week um, because um, uh, unfortunately we've uh, had yet another horrific uh, shooting uh, this time out of a gay club in um, um, Colorado. Colorado. I was trying to remember the name of the town okay. that it was in, but I, I, it, it's escaped me at the moment. But um, uh, yeah, it's you know it's just another example of violence against queer people um, after months of targeted demonization by Republican uh, leaders. Um, the fact that it happened. Um, and the day before Trans Day of Remembrance is, you know, even more horrible. Yeah, fuck you, Lauren Boebert. Fuck that. Fuck. See you next Tuesday. Um, but yeah, so um, there's there's some GoFundMe's and some uh, stuff for families of the victims uh, to uh, help cover, um, you know, funeral costs. Um, help cover. Um, medical costs for uh, for survivors who have been injured. Um, so we'll link to those um, in our uh, in our show notes. 
Um, and you know, it's I, I it's very upsetting to say, but unfortunately, we'll probably be saying the same thing and posting more links to these things in the future. Um, but that's not me saying that we have to give up, that we're going to just stay quiet, because um, we're not. That's that's not what we do. Um, uh, um, there's a great video clip of Jennifer Coolidge talking about uh, how gay people love her, which is true. Um, and she takes that as a great compliment because gay people are survivors and, you know, queer people are strong and she... She take she the the clip itself is very funny because she's a funny woman and uh but there you know that we are strong we are survivors and we will uh keep fighting so with all that being said go slay and always be gay yes goodbye.